From Sandy Hook to Orlando to Dallas and so many other places, these tragedies tear at our soul. And so do the... It was July 12, 2016, and Hillary Clinton was paying homage to yet another victim of gun violence. Sunday, a young man, Seth Rich, who worked for the Democratic National Committee to expand voting rights, was shot and killed in his neighborhood in Washington. He was just 27 years old. Surely we can agree that weapons of war have no place on the streets of America. Even as Seth Rich's death was being used to make a political point about gun control on the campaign trail, the D.C. police had no leads on who killed him. At this time, we do not have any witnesses in this case. We're urging the uh, public's assistance in this matter. We do know that there were um, several males seen in the area in dark clothing prior to the time of the homicide. Our description is very generic, just young black males in dark clothing, too, who were seen in the area. Two weeks later, the country was focused on events in Philadelphia, where the Democrats were gathering for their national convention. Tonight, a major snag on the road to party unity. As Clinton prepared to accept her party's nomination, WikiLeaks dropped a bomb, releasing nearly 20,000 internal Democratic National Committee emails, dominating the headlines. It's a major embarrassment for Democrats on the eve of their nominating convention. The leak showed party efforts to undermine Bernie Sanders' campaign and exacerbated divisions among the Democrats. This really does not come as a shock to me or my supporters. There is no question but the DNC was on Secretary Clinton's side from day one. We all know that. The Clinton campaign contended, and most law enforcement officials concluded from the start, that WikiLeaks had gotten emails, either directly or through cutouts, from hackers working for Russian intelligence, as Clinton campaign manager Robbie Mook alleged on CNN. Experts are telling us that uh, Russian state actors broke into the DNC, stole these emails, and uh, other experts are now saying that they are the Russians are releasing these emails for the purpose of actually helping Donald Trump. I don't think it's coincidental that these emails were released uh, on the eve of our convention here. But powerful voices wanted to tell a different story and began pointing the finger at another culprit. In his latest interview, Julian Assange hinted that a murdered Democratic National Committee staffer could have been a source of information for WikiLeaks. I'm Michael Isikoff, and welcome to Yahoo News' Conspiracy Land, the untold story of Seth Rich, a special six-part podcast brought to you by Skullduggery. In this podcast, we're exploring the story of how one man's senseless murder on the streets of Washington was shamelessly exploited for notoriety and crass political purposes. An example of how conspiracy theories flourish and infect the body politic in the brave new world of social media. This is Episode 2, The Russia Connection. On August 9th, Almost a month to the day Seth Rich had been murdered, WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange gave an extraordinary interview to a Dutch television reporter. We have a lot of material related to the U.S. election campaign, uh, including related to Hillary Clinton's campaign. 
Dutch TV reporter Elko Bosch von Rosenthal was pressing Assange on how WikiLeaks had gotten hold of those DNC emails in the first place. Our whistleblowers go to significant efforts to get us material and often very significant risks. As a 27-year-old uh, works for the DNC, who was shot in the back, murdered uh, just two weeks ago uh, for un- unknown reasons as he was walking down the street in Washington. So that was, that was just a robbery, I believe, wasn't it? No, it's, there's no finding. So uh, that's what are you the suggesting? Sort of, what are you suggesting? I'm suggesting that our sources uh, take risks and they are they become concerned uh, to see things occurring uh, like that. We sat down with von Rosenthal to get the backstory on that interview. I was shocked and I was taken aback, and I think you can hear it. He was not saying he was a source. He was implying he could have been a source. Uh, he didn't back it up in any way. Um, uh, it completely uh, took me by surprise. Him bringing this up was totally, totally nuts. Van Rosendahl told us he tried to pin Assange down. Here's another clip from the interview. But was he one uh, of your sources then? We don't comment on who our sources but are. Why but why make the suggestion about a young guy being shot in the streets of Washington? Because we have to understand uh, how high the stakes are uh, in the United States and that our sources are, you know, our sources face serious risks. Uh, That's why they come to us, so we can protect uh, their anonymity. Uh, But it's quite something to suggest a murder. That's basically what you're doing. Well, others have have suggested that. uh, We are investigating to understand uh, what happened uh, in that situation with Seth Rich. I think it is uh, a concerning situation. There's not a conclusion yet. We wouldn't be willing to um, state a conclusion, but we are concerned about it. And more importantly, um, a variety of WikiLeaks sources are concerned when that kind of thing happens. Von Rosenthal was so astounded by what Assange had just said that he and his editor debated whether they should air his comments. I left the studio and I walked to my editor and he looked at me and I, one of us said to the other, maybe we said it at the same time, what the f- fuck was this? You know, what, what would, did we just witness? It used to be the case, and I think it still should be, and I'm sure you agree that wild claims should be backed up. I mean, we're not in the business, my program, usually of airing these kind of wild claims. So why did you air it? Because we felt that three weeks after the DNC, this, this big, big email story for which WikiLeaks was responsible, him being the head of WikiLeaks, we felt that it was newsworthy no matter how wild. And I think that's still the... I, I think we made the right decision. But you're not sure. Back then, obviously, we didn't know that it would go viral right away, that it would hurt Seth Rich's family the way it did. No, I'm 100% behind us airing it, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't leave me uncomfortable in a sense. After Assange's interview with von Rosenthal, WikiLeaks tweeted out an offer of a $20,000 reward for information about Seth Rich's murder. But there was something especially cynical about what Assange and WikiLeaks were up to. 
According to a July 2018 indictment brought by Justice Department Special Counsel Robert Mueller, WikiLeaks had gotten its giant archive of Democratic emails via an encrypted file from an online persona calling itself Guccifer 2.0, a creation of the Russian GRU, the country's military intelligence arm. And here's the kicker. That transfer of DNC emails from the GRU to WikiLeaks, it took place four days after Seth Rich's death. The date yeah. of when he gets the emails is July 14th. Yeah. Seth Rich was killed on July 10th. Yeah. yeah. Assange knew that he was bullshitting. And you have to ask him why he decided to make this claim. Let's give Mueller the last word on this. As the special counsel wrote in his report on Russian interference, Assange and WikiLeaks made a number of statements about Seth Rich that, quote, implied falsely that he was the source of the stolen DNC emails, unquote. These statements, Mueller wrote, were, quote, apparently designed to obscure the source of the materials WikiLeaks was releasing. But to Assange's biggest supporters, his interview was a clear signal. We talked to one of them, Cassandra Fairbanks. I'm the White House correspondent for the Gateway Pundit. It's a very right-wing site. He just started talking about Seth Rich out of nowhere. He's never named a source, and he's never talked about anything in that way, or even hinted at a source in that way. So people who had been following WikiLeaks for a long time were like, this is really unusual. So it did seem like he may have been trying to signal something without outright saying it. Right-wing social media celebrity Mike Cernovich also thought he was getting a sign from the interview and put up his own $20,000 reward. The idea that um, Seth Rich was the source for WikiLeaks, um, where did you get that idea? Julian Assange intimated that he might have been. So... So it wasn't, you know, it was just uh, it was speculation. So Assange's comments had a big impact on you. I don't know that that had a big impact, but it certainly, you know, it certainly had people wondering. Seth Rich, people in his uh, social political class don't just usually end up dead in random street violence. And then there was Roger Stone adding his own nasty spin to it. The very same day that Assange's interview aired, Stone, Donald Trump's longtime political advisor, posted that tweet we told you about in episode one, with a photo of Seth Rich describing him as another dead body in the Clintons' wake. And here's where it starts to snowball. Infowars, the site run by notorious conspiracist Alex Jones, posted a story contending that Seth had gone missing in the hours before his murder. That Infowars story was promoted on Twitter by a strange new account named 10 underscore GOP. By all appearances, 10 underscore GOP was a Twitter handle run by the Tennessee Republican Party with more than 130,000 followers. Only it wasn't. We called Clemson University Associate Professor Patrick Warren, who is an authority on Russian manipulation of Twitter during the 2016 election. It's pretending to be a side account run by the uh, Republican Party in Tennessee. The Republican Party in Tennessee does have a, a real account, a main account, 
uh, it was pretending to be sort of their less official account, whereas in fact it was a disinformation operation being run out of St. Petersburg, Russia. That disinformation operation Warren is talking about is called the Internet Research Agency, a deceptively bland name for a troll farm run by a crony of Vladimir Putin, which played a pivotal role in exploiting social media during the campaign. We actually prefer the term troll factory. Okay. Because we think they're building them instead of growing them. It is a place where they invent persona. They create internet, fake internet people, and then they run those fake internet people out to say things. Think of like a call center. Only this isn't telephone, this is all sort of social media. And there's just people sitting at these computers, operating social media accounts, but not in their own name, but in the name of some troll. 10 underscore GOP would infect social media with a relentless wave of Seth Rich tweets and retweets. We've counted more than 2,000 Seth Rich-related tweets sent out by it and other fake accounts tied to that troll operation in St. Petersburg. Tweets like... September 14th, 2016. This is the man who brought the hashtag DNC leak to WikiLeaks. He was murdered two weeks later. Thank you, Seth Rich. Rest in peace. September 27th, 2016. Hashtag unlikely debate guests. Seth Rich, who was killed for exposing rigged DNC. Hashtag debate night. Hashtag debates. Hashtag October 15th, 2016. Reminder, 97 days ago, Democratic patriot Seth Rich crossed paths with the Clinton war machine for exposing DNC corruption. This use of conspiracy theories, this incredible hyper-partisanship in the United States is something that they all they, they didn't create it, but they can stoke it, use it, and, and, and weaponize it. And that's what they did here, and that's very consistent with what they've done for decades. John Seifer is a CIA veteran who worked for the agency for 28 years, serving undercover in Moscow and later as deputy chief of Russia operations. For much of his career, he tracked what the Soviets used to call active measures, the promotion of disinformation, including conspiracy theories, aimed at spreading distrust and subverting the enemies. A large percentage of the anti-vaccine pushing on social media is pushed by the Russians. You know, a large portion of the take a knee against the NFL thing was being pushed by the Russians. They're looking for ways that we're attacking each other inside the country and, again, exploiting that. So the Seth Rich conspiracy is a perfect thing for the Russians to attack onto. Cypher sees a historical precedent to what Russian intelligence did with the Seth Rich murder, to the stories the Soviets circulated about the AIDS crisis spreading through Africa in the 1980s. They wanted to put out a story that it was created in biological warfare labs and was deployed consciously against developing countries to keep them down. They would go to sources of theirs, spies of theirs in places like India. They would go to a journalist. They would say, we want this story to be put in your, your newspaper. And then uh, Soviet newspapers would comment on that. And their journalists around the world would comment that, hoping that that would then get into other newspapers, say, in Eastern Europe or other places, and work its way up the media food chain, hopefully getting into newspapers in Africa, Asia, and Europe, and around the world. Now, with the proliferation of social media, Russian operatives don't even have to work that hard to plant a false story. It could be done simply with a send key. 
So do you see the Seth Rich conspiracy story as sort of a, a continuation of uh, this Russian tradition of active measures? It's 100% a, a continuation of the Russian use of active measures. We've now seen enough evidence, both from the indictments and the hacking and the trolls and the bots and the, the Russian troll farm in, in St. Petersburg, to have sort of a clear picture of what the Russians were up to. We had no idea how calculated and elaborate Russia's tactics were around Seth's murder until we talked to Deborah Sines. She was the assistant U.S. attorney in charge of the Rich case. Now retired, Sines has never spoken publicly about the case until she talked to us. There were too many conspiracy theories that were all the same. And it wasn't just from one place. I was seeing it in multiple places, and I, I really don't believe in coincidences. Sines was puzzled about the wild stories swirling around the murder, and she wanted to know where and how they started. It's worth keeping in mind that, at this point, nothing about the Russian role behind these stories was publicly known. Sines decided to use her security clearance to ask the U.S. intelligence community to help her figure the puzzle out. All I can say is I made inquiries about several things, and it took a while to get responses. And when she did, Signs was floored. Holy shit. It, it, I'm, you know, it's not what you expect. Remember that bizarre story on the whatdoesitmean.com website we told you about in episode one, just three days after Seth's death, that alleged he was gunned down by a Hillary Clinton hit squad? It was the very first time a conspiracy theory about his murder had popped up, and it turned out it didn't come out of nowhere. What Signs discovered was a fake bulletin circulated by the Russian SVR, the Kremlin's version of the CIA, that was intercepted by U.S. intelligence agencies. Written to read like a real intelligence report, it made the exact same allegations about Seth Rich on the exact same day as the whatdoesitmean.com story. The original report alleged that Seth thought he was meeting with the FBI, and instead he was met by a Hillary Clinton hit team. The original report also alleged that the hit team was captured after a running gun battle with U.S. federal police force just blocks from the White House. Now, let me ask you, Michael, you ever hear about a shootout just a couple of blocks from the White House? No. Never happened. It's all made up. In short, Signs had uncovered the original document that started all the Seth Rich conspiracy stories, a reprise of active measures with a vengeance. To me, having a foreign intelligence agency set up one of my decedents with lies and, and planting false stories, to me, that's pretty outrageous. Maybe other people don't think it's that outrageous. I did. If I'm hearing you correctly, what you discovered was the Russians had planted the idea that there was a conspiracy. Absolutely. No question in my mind. They 
planted this whole conspiracy thing. And then I thought, oh my God, this is over my pay grade. And, and then I got very paranoid. We went back and looked at that whatdoesitmean.com website. What Signs discovered was a window into how the Russians operate. The site that claims to be run by a secret order of nuns is in fact filled with all sorts of wild stories attributed to Russian intelligence agencies, Russian foreign ministry officials, and Russian press reports. In a nutshell, it's a vehicle for Kremlin propaganda, the perfect place for the SVR to plant a bogus intelligence report. And there's more. Signs learned that just weeks after that initial fake bulletin, the Russian intelligence service circulated yet another report about Seth Rich. And were the details the same, or were there additional details in the second one? It was the same nonsense, same stuff. Once it became clear to me that this is coming from the FBR, then, I mean, that triggers a lot of very serious, oh my God, what do I do with this? Back at the Democratic National Committee, where Seth used to work, the staff felt under siege. The hack of the DNC email exposed the names, email addresses, and cell phone numbers of officials. The party's top leaders and much of the staff were freaked. When I walked into that building, there was so much fear and trepidation. Donna Brazil was now the DNC's new interim chair. Several of the staff people were receiving threatening phone calls, threatening emails, harassing, harassment uh, in terms of uh, uh, being called on their cell phones. Uh, and so there was a, a, a major element of fear. I became somewhat suspicious of everybody and everything. When a large black snake... Yeah, a snake. ...was found on the DNC doorstep on Capitol Hill. And they said it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a snake that was uh, germane to the area. Being from Louisiana, I would know if it was a poisonous one or not poisonous one. Unfortunately, I wasn't there, and that's probably a good thing because my, my habit when I see a snake is not to figure out if it's poisonous or not, but it's to destroy it. Now, Brazil and others started to worry whether Seth Rich's death might indeed have been a deliberate hit by the Russians themselves. It may sound strange on its face. Why would the Russians even bother about a relatively low-level DNC staffer? Two days after Assange's interview, Brazil and other party leaders met with senior FBI officials to be briefed on the Russian hack of the DNC server. In a sign of just how paranoid they had become, they raised their concerns. And the question was, you know, essentially, uh, do we have any information about what other activities the Russians are using in, in the United States, including, uh, you know, the harassment of individuals, political assassinations of that sort, et cetera. We wanted to know if Putin uh, had directed any type of assaults on Americans. Uh, we did. We, we raised it. Whether Putin had ordered Seth Rich's murder. I wanted to know. I wanted to get that on the table, and we did manage to, to put the question on the table. And were they dismissive, or did they suggest to you that they took seriously the idea that the Russians would assassinate somebody in Washington? It was an open question to them, and, and the answer was, we have no information. 
There's no question the Russians have been implicated in murders around the world, most notably in the United Kingdom, where Alexander Litvinenko, a prominent defector, was poisoned by Russian operatives who slipped radioactive polonium into his tea at a London hotel in 2006. And to be sure, there was another case that the FBI was actively investigating during the summer of Seth Rich's death that helps explain why DNC officials were so paranoid. Mikhail Lesson, a former top aide to Vladimir Putin, had been found dead in his Washington, D.C. hotel room the previous fall after suffering blunt force injuries to his head and torso. Later, after a thorough investigation, the U.S. Attorney's Office in Washington said it couldn't find any evidence of foul play, concluding that Lessons sustained fatal injuries alone in his hotel room after days of, quote, excessive consumption of alcohol. Here's John Cipher again. So, just to be clear, we don't have any hard evidence that the Russians have actually engaged in assassinations on U.S. soil in the modern era? No. Putin has to calculate how far he can push before the repercussions are too much for him to take. And so I believe that there's certain things, like maybe changing votes or certainly assassinating people in the United States, that I suspect he thinks is going too far and might force our politicians to actually start taking this threat more seriously. And the idea that the Russians might have assassinated Seth Rich? My gut and my experience tell me that there's no way the Russians actually killed Seth Rich, but I think they certainly took advantage of the information once it came out. After Deborah Sines got our hands on those SVR bulletins and over time saw how Russian propaganda was exploiting her case, she wrote a memo that she sent to the National Security Division of the Justice Department. And she later briefed the prosecutors and agents working for special counsel Robert Mueller. As she saw it, the Russians engaged in a deliberate strategy to use Seth Rich's murder to distract investigators and the public from finding out what they had done during the 2016 election. So then you got to look at, well, why is Russia doing this? And what, what else is going on? Well, what else is going on is we have a special counsel who is investigating Russia stealing Clinton emails or DNC emails. And then, I mean, it's not rocket science before you add it up and you go, oh, if Seth is the leaker to WikiLeaks, doesn't have anything to do with Russia. So of course, Russia's interest in doing this is incredibly transparent. Let's blame it on Seth Rich. He's a very convenient target. Now that the Russians had put the Seth Rich murder in play, more than a few Americans were eager to exploit it for their own purposes. Next on Yahoo News' Conspiracy Land, Episode 3, Fake News Theater. A plugged-in Washington lobbyist seeks to expose the deep state, orchestrating a reenactment of Seth Rich's murder as part of his own reality show. We're not here for that. You damn amateur, you exposed us. No, 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 no. I took all the necessary precautions. They can't trace you to anything. Save your breath. Do not run. Walk. What? Walk. You don't want to do anything. What are you doing? Walk. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Yahoo News' Conspiracy Land. We need to give a couple of shout-outs here. First, to my Yahoo News colleague, Alexander Nazarian, who thought investigating the conspiracies around Seth Rich's murder would be a good idea for a podcast. Thanks also to my Yahoo News colleagues, Charity Elder, Dan Clydman, and Mark Seaman, for their helpful ideas, as well as to the folks from Long Story Short Media for their invaluable help in producing this podcast. Yahoo News' Conspiracyland is brought to you by Skullduggery, a weekly podcast that I host with Yahoo Editor-in-Chief Dan Clydman. In each episode, we dissect the latest revelations and controversies surrounding the Trump administration, and we interview key newsmakers, including some of the president's fiercest critics, as well as his most stalwart defenders. If you're enjoying this series, subscribe to Skullduggery and Yahoo News' Conspiracy Land to listen to all our episodes and leave a review.